Perhaps no group is more qualified to describe the true impact of COVID-19 than the healthcare professionals on the front lines of this protracted battle. Today, we speak to a leader in this community, namely Jeff Flax, the president and chief executive officer of Hartford HealthCare. Modern HealthCare called Jeff one of the top 12 industry leaders in the nation. It is one of a long list of accolades for this talented executive. We'll ask Jeff about his experience managing a healthcare network with over 30,000 employees that has emerged as a leader in testing, in treatment, and in ingenuity throughout this unforgiving pandemic. What challenges has he faced? What lessons has he learned? And what will he remember most of all looking back on this unique health crisis? I'm Paul Leeming of UBS Long River Wealth Management. Welcome to the inaugural edition of our new podcast series, Ebb and Flow. So, Jeff, welcome. It's good to be with you. I think I speak for all of us at Long River Wealth Management when I say thank you for spending a a few minutes of your invaluable time with us. Oh, my pleasure, Paul. Very happy to do so. Well, we're glad you're here. So, for our listeners who may not know you personally, Jeff, I thought I'd begin by asking a bit about your personal story and your life journey. I guess you could call this the Jeff Flax, the early years question. But what was the path that eventually brought you to where you sit today? I was born and raised in Connecticut in the New Haven area. So it's an incredible honor and privilege to be here in Connecticut during this moment and to have had the benefit of, of professionally being here now in my 16th year within Hartford Healthcare. But for me, uh, both my parents were public school teachers. I grew up in you know, a small town outside of New Haven. I had a, a very traditional upbringing that really gave me a sense of community and a sense of service and a sense of working with people you know, to create and support positive change. I had a chance at an early age to drive a delivery car for a local pharmacy. Uh, and it gave me an opportunity. I was delivering to hospitals, nursing homes, physician offices, and the like. And I really got a chance to see and meet people who were leading these facilities and got an understanding of really the combination of their sense of community their focus on people, the kind of the humanist, humanistic aspects of, of the work they did, and at the same time, uh, the business acumen they needed to maintain kind of and steward these facilities forward. And for me, in many ways, it just was a perfect match for where my personal interests are, the way I want to make an imprint on the world I live on, and a chance to really be a contributor. And certainly, as time went forward, I had the benefit of working in Washington, D.C., and Detroit, Michigan, and New York City before coming back to Connecticut and being a chance to be part of Hartford HealthCare, whose roots we go back 198 years. It's the honor of a lifetime to be here in this capacity, the sense of stewardship and the sense of both preserving, sustaining, and advancing our organization well into the future. That's fascinating, Jeff. And you can trace it all back to the, those parents, public school teachers. Teachers are great people. I, I come from two parents who also taught and they instilled some some good values in me and it sounds like yours did in you. So that's great. So Jeff, before we talk specifically about COVID-19, can you tell us a bit about Hartford HealthCare, the organization? How are you structured? Where do you fit within the state and the nationwide healthcare apparatus? Absolutely, Paul. I'm incredibly proud of what Hartford HealthCare has really become. You know, we're a national leading healthcare system. You know, today we're comprised of 30,000 colleagues. We have over 400 locations today that span the state of Connecticut into Rhode Island and, and Western Massachusetts. To me, when I describe Hartford Healthcare, 
I consider us to be an ecosystem. And the analogy I often use is similar to Apple, where we've created the state's largest behavioral health network, the state's largest network of surgery centers, the state's largest network of imaging centers, the state's largest network of urgent care centers, the state's largest primary care physician network. We have eight hospital campuses in addition you know, to these different programs that span our state and beyond. And the great vision of Hartford Healthcare since our founding has been to be most trusted for personalized, coordinated care. So we've been a disruptor, an innovator, and we, we really have had a very progressive model where we've organized all of our resources, our nearly 3,000 physicians, and all of our capabilities of being structured around our patient. And we've made massive investments as we've disrupted ourselves over the last decade plus to create a single electronic health record, a single system of care. So wherever a patient encounters us, they're being cared for in a coordinated fashion where all of the issues around quality, around accessibility, around affordability, kind of this global notion of transparency kind of are fully inherent in how we care for people. And it's making an enormous difference. Today, we care for nearly a third of the people in the state of Connecticut in totality. We've really positioned our health system for the future. We have the largest home care agency statewide by a significant level in our state. And that's all about, you know, recognizing the evolution of healthcare, more care going to home, more care being done through virtual health, phone and video, and more need to leverage technology platforms, predictive analytics, machine-based learning to enhance quality, that to partner with our, with our community around health, around wellness, and around treating them also when, when they're sick or injured so that we can provide them the world-class health care right here in Connecticut. Well, it's, it's been an impressive thing to watch, I can say, as a resident of Connecticut, watching the, the facilities grow around me and, and the, the talk of the organization just growing with them. So well done there. Jeff, let, let's talk about this pandemic now. And I wonder if you would walk us through the evolution of the threat. When did you first recognize that coronavirus would become such a crisis here in the U.S. and in Connecticut? And sitting, as you do, at the helm of a critical healthcare provider, how did you respond at that point? You know, Paul, clearly in a system like ours, now approaching soon $5 billion in net revenue, you know, a system of our size, of our scale, and our state, and we embrace the notion of what that responsibility means. I mean, we, we have a tremendous sense of, of recognizing the importance, the criticality of, of what we do within our state. So we started following this in December, January, and in February, we, we started significantly accelerating our efforts around preparedness. But despite really all best perspectives, it would have been hard to imagine, you know, that this worldwide pandemic occurred. It's unprecedented, and it truly is unimaginable in terms of the broad impact it's had on, on the way people live, people's health, their safety, their security, the economic impact. It, it's been extraordinarily massive. So in late February and certainly the very early part of March, you know, we went to the highest level of alert within Hartford Healthcare, and we made an early decision from a leadership perspective. We said, we're going to be completely transparent. We're going to be completely accessible in this process, and we're going to lead from in front. We really put in place a series of things that became really important that still exist today. We put in place a daily press conference where we shared all of our information to the community as a whole. 
We put a daily text service in place that forced text so that we can be communicating reliable information. And we put a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week call center uh, in place so that people at any point in time could call to access testing, telehealth services, advice from a physician or nurse at 3 o'clock in the morning and if they should go to the emergency department, symptoms and risk factors and screening and all these types of things so that we could be here in this moment. And the final point I would say is, you know, I said from the beginning of this, we're not going to manage this from the economic standpoint at all. This this is a, you know, a hundred year issue, God willing. This is why we're here. It's why we exist. It's our mission. So we need to do first and foremost what's right for our community. This is why we exist. And we're going to figure out the economics to the extent from the back end. And you know, that's really how we've done this. I, I've, I've described, you know, we're going to, we threw the book out in this process. This was a level of crisis of this magnitude that's never been seen before. And we're going to use all of our capabilities, all of our impact that we could possibly have to support this community now when it mattered most. Jeff, what does the cooperation look like between the private and the public sector through this period? Is there close partnership between your organization and the state and federal government, and, and what has that been like? You know, in Connecticut, it's been terrific, Paul. You know, the governor early on reached out to me, ultimately asked me to serve as co-chair of the Health System Response and Readiness Task Force. He and his team, the senior administration, have really been exceptional partners. They've listened. They've been pragmatic. They've consulted. They've sought advice and input. They've set expectations. They've partnered with us. We've coordinated in a very meaningful way around setting policy. And I really think largely performed admirably. Uh, let me give you one statistic, Paul, that I just saw this morning. Sure. In Connecticut today, there's a 0.86 transmission rate from a person who tests positive. So in terms of the number of people that they infect. Mm-hmm. So less than one person, a person today in Connecticut would on average infect with, with CV-19. Of the 50 states in America, we have the lowest transmission rate at 0.86. That's something we should all be very proud of. And that reflects on good policy, strong enforcement, good adherence, great transparency, communication, coordination, you know, amongst all the different healthcare providers within the state, and a wonderful partnership with the state. And, you know, certainly uh, uh, we have not let our guard down. I want to be very clear. All of our our alertness, our rigor is in place. The risks are still very significant. But that statistic tells you up to this point, at least, the level of success that we've had as a state under very trying circumstances. So, you know, I'm very encouraged by by the partnership. I think it's a reflection of the culture of our state. It's what makes Connecticut so wonderful and so great because we're one team. We're closely coordinated. These relationships are real. They exist, you know, always. And that became important now. Yeah, that that transmission rate is really remarkable. That's and to be sort of at the at the top of that list, or I guess the bottom of that list in the country, is an impressive accomplishment. And obviously, keeping that below one is is the key to much of this. But Jeff, uh, the next question is really um, hoping to get the perspective of your employees, and I, I suspect you hear a lot of stories from the thirty thousand or so folks who work for you. What are some of the reports from the field that you'll remember 20 years from now? Well, first of all, heroes. I always knew everyone who worked within healthcare is a hero. I mean, I've spent my life having the privilege of working with people and have remarked on it to myself thousands of times. 
But in this moment, it was never more visible, nor clear, and more apparent to both me at a personal level, but of course, everyone within our community, of the essential nature. You know, when each person in our state was advised to shelter in place, to quarantine, to retreat from the workplace, and so forth, and go home, healthcare workers were running into the crisis. That's what we do. And it, watching uh, frontline healthcare workers and seeing their courage, their bravery, their sense of commitment and service, it's indelible in terms of the imprint that, that it certainly made on me and I know so many people. So when I look at, at kind of the most memorable aspects of, of this crisis, first is, is really the culture of healthcare workers and the broad recognition for our, our dependence on them when we're in that point of greatest vulnerability in our recognition of, of really the heroism that is provided during this crisis, but, but always. Secondly is our sense of community. This community, Paul, has stepped up. We have gotten well over a 1,000 individual, we call them acts of kindness, but meaningful donations and contributions of personal protective equipment, various supplies, many people who have given us financial support in this process, Every major company within the, within the region stepped up to tremendous levels, but it really came down to our neighbors, people seeking us out. We had to set up a separate process and website. We were overwhelmed with the numbers of people donating things, looking to support, looking to volunteer. That's Connecticut. That's what makes this state so wonderful, great place to live, raise a family, contribute to, because there is a sense of you know the, the importance of community good. And it really became apparent. I mean, I've talked to some of my colleagues around the country, and many people have seen support, but I've not been able to, uh, from my own least assessment, understand or, or identify anyone who had the level of support we did. It was unbelievably important to us, made a huge difference. And I can tell you, the frontline healthcare workers, they felt it. It gave them energy, and it gave them even greater support when the times were toughest. And they needed it. It's so good to hear them referred to as heroes, and they truly are. It, it reminds me, as it has others, of, of the notion of a firefighter running towards the danger as opposed to away from it. And these healthcare workers deserve a, a great deal of uh, admiration for what they're doing. So, Jeff, w- we spoke before this call about the incredible success your organization has had in administering COVID tests. This is just one source of data that I suspect you have at your fingertips, but what is all of this information telling you about where we go from here with this virus? And what are the signposts we lay people should be looking out for along the way? Testing is absolutely essential. It has been and continues to. It's an area that we're very fortunate because it's, it's probably the area that we made the greatest contribution within our state. You know, at Hartford Healthcare, we have a longstanding partnership with Quest Laboratories, who is one of the two largest laboratory companies in the United States. And that partnership turned out to be essential because we were able, through that partnership, to get a commitment from Quest to thousands of tests daily when tests were really in greatest need and the supply was most challenged. So we've been able to continuously, since really the first day of this crisis, test at a very significant level. That is really critical because it allows us to properly identify prevalence within the community. And we could look at sub-communities, and we could look at different demographics, whether it's race, ethnicity, age, geographic location, so that we can apply kind of our public health resources accordingly. 
but it also allowed us to quarantine before there's greater spread. It allows us to test people before they're returning to different workplaces for essential workers. So testing is critical. I want to urge people, you know, when we when we look at the three most important lessons today, but it's around uh, testing. Anyone who's symptomatic should be tested, and to the extent that even people who are not symptomatic, they should be following the guidelines. And today, as they're returning to circulation, they should be getting tested. Secondly, uh, you know, is the, the issue of critical, right? We learned it at an early age, but it's absolutely essential. It's around hand hygiene and paying incredibly close attention uh, to using hand sanitizer and proper hand washing with soap and water. Hmm. And third, social distancing and wearing a mask. If we're doing uh, wearing a mask in these public settings routinely, we have good social distancing, good hand hygiene, and we're broadly using testing, we continue to contain this. And that, I think that's why the success within our state and our region has been, to this point, you know, very strong, proportionate to certainly other regions and other parts of the country. So our discipline around this, I cannot reinforce the importance of enough. Uh, it's the responsible and right thing to do for ourselves, for, our, for the people who are important to us in our lives, but really for everybody, for our community. Well, you can't emphasize it enough, so I will one more time. It's important to repeat, testing, hand hygiene, and social distancing and masks, so critical and indeed a contributor to the success here and, and elsewhere in containing this. So Jeff, a, a more general question for you. Have you found it difficult to maintain a strategic focus through this crisis? And by that, I mean that you undoubtedly had a long-term vision for Hartford HealthCare before the crisis. How has this period impacted your progress toward or your focus on those goals? You know, in many ways, it's interesting. I think what this has done is brought greater visibility to our strategic focus. Look, during this time period, as I said earlier, nothing mattered most. I mean, this, this is why we exist. It's our purpose. This is our mission. We are a Connecticut-based health system and have been for 198 years and some form or fashion, and in moments like this, this is where we become most critical. But I often describe our health system, we were built for this. And the reason I say we were built for this, Paul, is during this crisis, because of our large surgery center network, we were able to take ventilators from the surgery centers and put them in hospitals. We took anesthesiologists out of surgery centers and repatriated those people to become intensive care physicians. We were able to repurpose our home care nurses and you know, redeploy them into hospitals. We took our urgent care centers and stood them down and were able to support other emergency services. So we, we were able to move people. We were able to, to move equipment across the system because we're so well diversified with over 400 locations. And we have such large presence you know, in so many different services that our diversification allowed us to redeploy many things back into the acute issues, the most emergent hospital intensive related needs, you know, during this crisis. So being a large regional integrated delivery system, we had both the scale and we had the level of integration because we had one health record, because we have one administrative human resource information system. We were able to create a staffing pool in place and we were able to have the agility you know, because we have one, you know, we've centralized everything in our system from cash to endowment to human resources to IT to supply chain. So even our governance structure is fully integrated. So in decision-making, we had great agility. So everything we've done over the last decade, you know, to kind of break the old way to build the new system, why we did it, 
this was why we did it. Because this moment, we had the agility. In this moment, we had the resources and the strength. And in this moment, we had the structure that allowed us to really fluently and very effectively respond to this crisis. Well, thank goodness you did. Jeff, I'd, I'd like to ask you back on the podcast. You don't need to commit right now, but we'd love to have you back because we haven't even really scratched the surface of the things we could discuss today. But with that said, for today's last question, I thought I'd ask you about your considerable work in the nonprofit area. I see in your bio numerous nonprofit work, uh, whether it be at the Connecticut Science Center, at Connecticut Public Broadcasting, and elsewhere within healthcare and education. So first of all, how do you find the time? And, and second, is there a theme or a core motivation in your volunteer work? Yes, Paul, I'm, I really am about the health and success, well-being of Connecticut. I love this community, this region. It's where I'm from. So for me, uh, getting back to the way I was raised by my parents, the values, you know, from them being teachers, I want to contribute to this community. I want to give back to this community. I want to help advance, you know, the fabric of this community, the things that make a difference and that we want to see sustained and advanced. So the sense of community is exceptionally important to me at a very personal level. But I also want to recognize, and I thank you for doing this at Long River. I mean, organizations like yours with, you know, decades and decades of history under Tom's leadership and others, I mean, that's what makes this region great. And we are very focused in Hartford Healthcare to, to use kind of our strength in the system that we've become uh, to help to drive the economic success of the region. And healthcare is an economic driver. And we embrace that, recognize that, and we're, we're doing a great deal to use our strength to do that. And we didn't touch on it today in a meaningful way, but I want to be very clear. We're using our strength, and this is exceptionally important to me at a personal level, to drive and ensure racial equity within our region. And that is a primary focus of Hartford Healthcare today. Absolutely. Jeff, any closing words of advice for our audience? I just want to urge, you know, everybody to kind of, we need to stay the course. You know, we've done really well as a state, but we can't relax. As I indicated, we, we really continue to be on high alert. The risk of a second wave uh, is, is not immaterial. We at Hartford Healthcare are building and stockpiling our personal protective equipment where we've acquired more ventilators. We're ensuring that all of our policies, procedures are even more well-established for what could be in the future, but we hope to do everything possible to prevent that from happening. But to the extent it does, we need to be more prepared. So I would just urge everyone, you know, just the need until there's a vaccine, and we too are participating in research, we're involved in clinical trials on a vaccine, we're hopeful that's going to happen. We certainly want that to happen, but it's going to be some time before that is approved, perfected, and able to be mass distributed. So in that interim period of time, the rigor around, you know, changing practices within our lives and so forth becomes really critical. So I wanted, first of all, let me express my gratitude to everybody for their support in this community and for the work, the collective work we, that has been done to protect this community and just urging everyone to uh, continue that level of focus. Well, on that note, Jeff, and on behalf of my partners, Tom Lips, whom you mentioned, Andrew Worthington, Ashley Martella, Paula Johnston, and the entire Long River Wealth Management team here at UBS, thank you for being here and for everything that you do. Thank you. My pleasure, Paul.